The gospel reading this morning is from St. John, chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. Glory to you, O Lord. Indeed, our reading this morning is from St. John, chapter 5, verses 1 through 9, and can be found in your pew Bible on page 1653. John records... Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. And here, a number of disabled people used to lie the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a very long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I am trying to get in, someone else goes in ahead of me. And then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat, and he walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. We had a whole lot going on, a lot of visuals this morning from uh, what Ed wrote or read to us and uh, the revelation. We've got uh, this encounter of Jesus uh, at the pool of Bethesda and the theme, the thread that weaves through uh, our lectionary this week is all things that are made new again, all things made new again, and that's, that's the point from where I'm going to come. We, we see in uh, the Revelation Scripture that we see a new heaven. We see a new earth. We see a new Jerusalem descending. And it's interesting that in the description of the new Jerusalem There are man-made measurements that are given, perhaps so that we can understand. But let me lay this on you, because it's pretty hard to understand, even if we can somehow comprehend the measurements. 12,000 stadia is the length of one length of of a wall, 12,000 stadia. One stadia is 607 feet. That makes it rounded up 
about 1,400 miles long. And that is squared. It's a cube. So to say it's big, it'd be the understatement of the morning from this pulpit here. It's really, really big, the new Jerusalem. In square miles, the new Jerusalem is approximately 2 million square miles. If, if it were divided out with generous 12-foot ceilings or 12-foot you know, floors, the number is 600,000 floors. It's big. Amen? And it's really nicely appointed. Right? All things made new again. A new Jerusalem is coming. But I don't really want to talk about that this morning. What I want to talk about is that, of course, the new heaven and the new earth have, pa- have to come because the old has passed away. John is showing us that through his vision. Why? Because sin, the original sin, separated us from God. The original sin corrupted us, our flesh. It corrupted the earth, and the earth is in this state of decay, and it is dying, and there has to be new. There has to be a new heaven. There has to be a new earth. There has to be a new Jerusalem. Why? Because God, because Jesus, because you and I in our newness cannot commingle with the corrupt. We are going to be made new as well. That may be a little scary to hear, but that's because we cling to this flesh. This is what we know. This is what we think we know. I, it, it, this is going away, so we fear things like death, or we fear things like change. We fear things like new, don't we sometimes? And it may give you pause in regards to the new earth coming, that this one is passing away. It may give you pause when there are people in the world that are quite learned and spend a lot of time in studies and, and, well, they know more than you and me. And they're saying that the world is coming to an end. In fact, some have even said that the world is coming to an end in 12 years. And that was 100 years ago or 20 years ago or put a name on it. And the Bible has something to say about that, does it not? Doesn't Jesus himself say it's not for us to know the time or the day? But the one thing that those that know so much more than you or I have right is that the world's coming to an end. It has to. As we said, because of that original sin, in the garden. And it may give you pause when a solution to our demise that we have to start right now is given. And whatever that solution is, maybe maybe it's driving an electric car or or maybe it's harnessing wind or you know, cleaner solutions, all good things. 
But in our flesh, it should give you pause to think that there are people that believe that they can stop the end from coming. And clearly, the Bible tells us about that. Who can add anything to their height or to their years by worrying about it, right? Now, that isn't to say that we should be less than good stewards of our environment. Certainly not. Not any more than when Paul says, shall I sin more that grace may abound more? Of course not. But the truth is, is that there is no stopping the end of this world. There is really no stopping the end of you and me, of of our flesh. It's coming. But take heart. Because we are children of the living God, and he makes all things new again. You see, the solution comes from him who created all things. The solution comes from he who became sin and poured out his compassion from that cross, his blood poured out to cover us. That's where the solution comes. The solution comes from the author of our faith. The solution comes from the one with the power to forgive. And the solution comes from the one who makes all things new. We've been given gifts, wonderful, good gifts. And we actually exercised one of those this morning, the gift of repentance, when upon you said, Or you heard me say to you, if we say that we are without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Do you remember that? And we say that every Sunday. And then, of course, we go on further and say, but if we confess our sins, right? God does what? Forgives them. They are forgiven. That is the gift of repentance. We are forgiven. I've given this visual to you before, yesterday at our men's group. I think it works. It ties into baptism. But our lives as Christians, as children of the living God, are one of repentance and absolution. And you notice my hand, repentance and absolution. Now you go to the beach and the waves come in and they go back out. Repentance and absolution. That, that is taken out, made clean, mercies made new every single morning. How? Well, it's a gift by the one who created heaven and earth. It's a gift from the one who will make all things new. It's a gift that was given to you my baptized Christian brother and sister, the day that you were at the font and that you were washed by the word in the water and your little bitty faith was given to you by the Holy Spirit. Repentance and absolution. Once dirty, now clean. Once old, now made new. 
We're given a faith in our baptism that we receive through the Holy Spirit and through the washing of the Word and through uh, uh, that our faith is built up. The faith that we hear, you hear the gospel, you read the gospel, the Holy Spirit does the gospel to you and your faith is built up. And we share the gospel and we sow the seeds in others. And in our reading today in Acts, when Paul goes and, and approaches the women at a place that they were going to go pray and he meets Lydia and her heart was prepared and she received. So he was being the hands and feet of Jesus. He was actually out there making things new, making her new. In fact, it doesn't even stop there. Because we have the faith in us, the Holy Spirit in us, we carry Jesus with us. And so we get to, as children, go out to a world and share the love of Christ. So when we come alongside a person who is grieving and we hold their hand, have you ever had anyone hold your hand when you're grieving? Have you ever held someone's hand when they were grieving? Think of that. Because at that time, yes, you're holding their hand, but Christ is holding their hand through you. Through you. When we encourage those who are troubled, those who are in despair, when we come alongside someone and say, I've been there. Christ is encouraging them through you, through you. And the one that was greatly afflicted by our sin, the one who took sin for us, became sin through his sacrifice on that cross and through our baptism in those waters made us new again. Today in the Bethesda gospel reading here, we, 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 we see an, a man who had been there for a long time. He was known, 38 years, he was noticed. He was in bad shape. And Jesus came to him, and, and you may have heard the stories. They would say that the angel of the Lord would shake up the water, and if you got into it first, you were healed. That was kind of the myth that was going along. Um, there are some people that say that that was added to Scripture later just to um, kind of why he was there and so forth. But you'll notice this. Jesus didn't say anything about the water. The guy never even set a foot in the water. Jesus, by his command, said, get up. Pick up your bedding and walk. So Jesus was making an old, decaying thing new again. Perfect healing. 
And one of the problems we see was that it was on a Sunday. Sabbath, sorry, it was on a Sabbath. And so, so the Pharisees are saying, no, you can't do that. And we put rules on conditions on stuff, don't we? Do we put conditions on when we'll help, who will help, how we'll help? Do we put conditions on how other people are helping? Do we take a look at how other people are behaving on a Sabbath? Will we take a look at all of these things? Well, I think the answer is yes. And it ought not be because Jesus healed on a, on, a, on, a, on a Sabbath day. He made things new. And he is making things new every single day for you and for me. Every morning that you wake up, every morning that maybe you say this prayer, Lord, I've done pretty good. I haven't sinned much yet, but I'm about to get out of bed. I need your help. Well, he will. His mercies, I tease you. His mercies are new every single day. And so my hope for you this morning in this, in this proclamation is that, yes, the, this is going to pass away, but there's a new coming. It's better. Yes, you will pass away, but there's a new coming, and it is better. And yes, today, as we come up to this rail, we're going to get a foretaste of the things to come. We're going to get a foretaste of the, 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 the feast, the wedding feast of the Lamb. We get a, a bit of a deposit. We are made new again today in the sacrament of the altar. You are being made new. In the name of Jesus, amen.